ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on Sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Access. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, Clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Versalips, to be your best, you need to squat your best. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircraft worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, Contact them today at axnes.com. That's A-X-N-E-S.com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, long line, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment 
All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. And Versalist. When you're at the gym working on your squats, building your leg strength for the next rescue mission, depth matters. If you're like me, getting below parallel on your squats is tough. Well, allow me to introduce Versalifts Heel Inserts. These gems have become one of my new favorite accessories in my gym bag. Simply place them into your regular training shoe, either on top or underneath the insole, and bam! You've got a heel lift benefit of a weightlifting shoe, but the comfort and flexibility of your regular trainer. So the next time your workout just has heavy squats, grab your V2 strength inserts. Or how about a run, pull up, push up, air squat, and another run? Grab your V2 endurance insert. Or my own personal workout of running, clusters, and ring muscle up. Grab your original V2 inserts and go crush it. Check them out today at vlifts.com or on Instagram at Versalift. And when you're ready to get a few pair of your own, make sure you get your 10% off with the Real Rescue discount code. Squat well, friends. Coming up next, we've got a very different and unique type rescue story. You know, if you go into the dictionary and you define rescue, it means to save someone or something from a dangerous or difficult situation. Well, our next guest did exactly that. Him and his wife went out of their comfort zone, fought a little God's calling, and landed in a place to help a few in need. It's an amazing story, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. So please welcome our next guest, Mr. Shane Roethlisberger. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Rescue Podcast. Uh, I've got a little treat for us today. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about this one too. What else is new? I'm pumped about all you guys that come on and share stories. But this guy in particular, uh, Mr. Shane Roethlisberger. What's up, Shane? How are you, brother? <laughs> Doing great. Great to be here, Jason. Good. Good deal, man. So you and I uh, you have an interesting story where we... We met at the last CrossFit Games. Um, you are the owner and operator of Versalist, now sponsoring the podcast and helping us out. Whoop, whoop. Just going to throw that out there. 10% off what? <laughs> but uh, I, um, in our conversation, as we started setting up, you said to me, buddy, I got kind of a cool rescue story if you're interested in hearing it, which then related to your family, which then related to kids. And I was like, what? And puff, here we are. That about right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. You know, uh, um, yeah, it's it's it would certainly be a, a unique uh, story. Um, all all the stories that you've shared um, on your podcast are are just incredible and unique in their own way. Um, uh, but yeah, this one's this one's a little outside the box. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So. I'll tell you what, Shane, before I get too far into it, just give us a little background about kind of who you are and, and how you how you got into going to rescue, I'm going to call them family members now. Hey, 
right on. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that usually causes people's jaws to drop is uh, when I tell them I have nine kids. Uh, nine so, kids. Well, Good my, yeah, Lord. Nine, yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the standard reaction there. So my wife and I have, uh, um, we had five biological children and then we adopted two children. Um, and, uh, so brought it to seven and then we had, um, just felt called to another adoption several years later. And we started that process. And then here a year ago, we had, um, we had our sixth biological child seven years after we thought we were done having biological kids. And yes, hold the jokes. I know how it happens. <laughs> oh, and you saw that one coming is what you're saying. <laughs> I did, I did, but Bro, uh, nonetheless. Do we need to have a talk? Do we need to have a talk? <laughs> hey, it's, it's been dealt with. <laughs> oh, really? Roger that. <laughs> my my wife made an appointment for me like like a month after we found out we were pregnant. It's like okay, yep, we're we're done. <laughs> so, God anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we and we brought home our our third uh, adopted child um, about eight weeks after we had the surprise sixth biological child. So for those wow. doing the math, it brought it up to. So out of, out of curiosity, how many, what's the age difference between number one and number nine? Yeah. Closing in on 16 and then uh, one. So there's a 15. Oh gap. my yeah. good Lord. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> yep, I got yep, three beautiful yep. girls and they're all in their twenties right and buddy, I am done. It's ever bro, one bro, you're, right now, so. you're living now, man. You're yeah, living. totally. <laughs> Empty nested adventures. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was like, I was doing the math, you know, two years ago, where I was like, man, we're, we're, we're only like, what, eight, nine years away from being empty nesters. And then, and then that clock got set, reset. No, at zero. Yeah. So <laughs> you're real long. we're gonna have, years away. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna have grandkids like growing up with our, our youngest. <laughs> it's just the way it's gonna go, man. Yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah. So, so we're, you know, a unique family in that, in that sense. Um, we, we usually get, you know, like the homeschool jokes and those drive a huge van and all that. We do drive a huge van, but we, we are public school family. <laughs> so we're a little strange in that way. Oh um, but uh, yeah, no, we're having good. My wife and I, we've been, we married 18 years, got the six kiddos, 16 raging down to, to one six bio three adopted um actually was in pastoral ministry for um for 17 years that was oh, wow. kind of my primary vocational calling um a phenomenal um church family that we just love dearly um and um about five years six years ago i started versalist just as a kind of a hobby side business. My wife and I both drank the, the CrossFit Kool-Aid. And so we, uh, culture, um, now, culture. Yeah. Oh, we're totally, <laughs> totally in the cult. I mean, it's always weird being like, I'm a pastor and I'm in a cult. Um, it's called CrossFit. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, people like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, I came up with the product. It actually was, a was a kind of birth out of, um, the, the need to generate some revenue to, to cover the extreme costs of the adoptions. And so, so that was, that, that's a whole kind of another story that, you know, we won't, we won't, 
get into today. But um, but nonetheless, our company, Versalifts, is is forever intertwined with our adoption stories um, that we're going to talk about a little bit today. And uh, but yeah, just a year ago, actually um, moved our family moved to be closer to our parents. My dad's going through some pretty significant health challenges right now, and we felt like uh, it was the the best thing, the right thing for us to to move closer. So we moved moved our family and moved our um, our business and everything. And, and fortunately, I was able to um, make the jump from full time vocational ministry to uh, leading Versalifts full time. And uh, so that's what we're doing now. So that is uh, awesome. Yeah, I like crazy. that. Yeah, yeah. Put a lot of faith in that one yes oh man uh, yeah it's i mean it's equal parts exhilaration and terror like let's yeah. just <laughs> let's just go ahead and acknowledge every every small business owner knows knows that feeling <laughs> i like it sweet yeah all right so how did um so you're you said adopted so i don't i don't know any i don't have adopted children so i don't even know the process to begin with that but I know this is some yeah. part of the story. So yeah, however yeah. you want to roll into it, my friend, hit it. Hey, no, for sure. So one, I do feel like I got to, I, I want to give a disclaimer on the front end. We, you know, as you and I were chatting, it was like, man, it, it is a kind of a different take on a rescue story. I do want to make it clear that we, we don't feel like we are rescuers. We don't feel like we're heroes in this story. Like it's that it's not that at all. In fact, in many ways, we feel like our adopted children kind of rescued us, you know, from oh, just the, nice. the, the kind of monotony of, of life and, you know, kind of our perfect tight knit, um, well-ordered household it was like hey no they, they kind of rescued us from that a, a bit and and maybe gave us a bigger vision for than the life we were living and so um yeah just want to issue that disclaimer um on the get-go they're they're the real heroes in this it's, it's not us they're they're three amazing uh kids who have endured um really really difficult life circumstances and um and we're so glad to have them in our family. But yeah, the, the, the story goes, you know, so my, my wife and I, um, I, I had no ambition to, to adopt. That was never really on my, my mind or my heart. It was always on my wife's. Um, and she had, you know, would drop comments throughout our marriage was like, man, I'd really love to adopt someday. And we got pretty serious about it multiple times in the, in throughout our, our marriage. And then it seemed like we always ended up pregnant <laughs> it was like it was like hey we think the timing's right and then it's like nope it's not right <laughs> and here's a pregnancy stick to prove it you know like a pregnancy Darn it. So, um yeah so so we started and stopped multiple times with the uh with the adoption process and then in in 2015 we really felt like we had we'd, we'd had our our fifth biological child and uh really felt like we were done having biological kids said maybe this is really the time um we the church where i was pastoring at had a really cool culture of of adoption actually over 100 children that had been adopted there wow so it was something we That's were kind great. of you know yeah yeah incredible just huge heart for for uh, vulnerable kids and and so we um yeah so we we're 
surrounded by a great support system and we were like, hey, maybe now is the time. So my wife was actually born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. She's a, um, born to missionary parents. And she always thought, man, it'd be cool to, to adopt from Haiti. So we kind of started down that road. That door got closed very quickly. And we had some friends who had an orphan care center in Africa. And, um, and all of a sudden there was a... Um, there was a, we heard about this little girl, six weeks old, uh, found in a dumpster and, um, and she was up, needed to be adopted. And, um, oh, and so we were, dumpster? Kind of, yeah, That's so our hearts terrible. were, you know, yeah, I mean, that obviously pulls it at the heartstrings and, and yeah. we we're like, Hey, absolutely. We'd, we'd love to pursue adopting this little girl. Well, it turns out that another family, um, also, who was who was more paperwork ready um in a different part of the country also were drawn to this little girl and so uh they ended up um adopting her kind of getting in line ahead of us and um and so that was hard at first but then we felt like maybe that was just us being led to say well if we were willing to take her what would keep us from pursuing other there's there's literally millions of orphans globally and so why not uh maybe now is the right time you know and so so we we kind of ventured down that road and it it eventually led us in 2016 to be um to be to be matched with uh two um orphaned children in a country called the the central african republic so didn't know anything about car um it's a large landlocked country right in the heart of sub-sahara africa did you have to like bring up the globe and be like where the heck is this because I, so, I do right so now 100 <laughs> percent that in fact i went into this it was a good thing i went into this with total ignorance because that's where the story gets gets a little wild uh, um yeah, but it, I mean, country landlocked country in the heart of, of Sub-Saharan Africa, about the size of Texas, um, had come through a really, really bad civil war in uh, 2012, 2013. Um, hundreds of thousands of displaced people, tons of orphans left as a result of it. Um, just sent a, a country that was already in poverty to new heights of of impoverishment, um, you know, like became like a perennial top, top of the list on the world poverty index, index for poorest country on, on, on earth. And, uh, but anyway, we got matched with these two, their double orphan parents were all deceased, um, their first cousins. And, um, in the first step for us to be like officially, paired with them is to have what was like our agency required a bonding trip which meant we had to actually meet these kids in in person and this happened very very quickly like all of a sudden oh we're we're matched with these two two orphans and we're buying plane tickets like within a week to oh go to a country God. that literally never heard of didn't know anything about but it's like wow let's do this you know what an adventure <laughs> um so yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so so that's where we got that's that's kind of that's kind of phase one of the story it's like all right 
we got our tickets bought and we're going to fly to the Central African Republic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it um, on. Maybe we can get, get Safari on. on the back end. Like, hey, this would be totally, great. Totally. <laughs> you know what? Like, I think it's obviously. No, yeah. yeah, one of the biggest mountains in the world. What is that? Kilimanjaro. That's right. We'll go hike that right after we're done. This will be an amazing trip. <laughs> It's so true, man. That was, I mean, that's, that's us. Like we're, we're like, Oh, cl- clearly all Africa is the same, you know, like that's what we're thinking. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, like, let's go. <laughs> well, we were in for a, quite the surprise and qu- quite the education. Um, so, so again, we've got, you know, we've got five, we had five bio kids, including a, a two year old at the, so we're quick making logistics for us to be gone. Michelle and I, my wife, Michelle and I, um, to be gone for about 10 days uh, to Central Africa. So <clears throat> we, morning comes that we're supposed to to leave. I quick open up the news. We're, we're driving to Minneapolis. We're located in Iowa. We're driving to Minneapolis to fly out of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And in uh, the headline, like on the news is, Delta experiences global computer outage, thousands of flights grounded. Well, of course, we're flying from Delta to Air France and to um, CAR. Where this gets complicated is that um, because of the instability in CAR, um, there is only two reputable flights that came in each week, like to the capital city, literally. Wow. Air France brings in a plane on a Tuesday and a plane on a Friday. <laughs> and they like, they land on the tarmac, the passengers get off and the new passengers get on. No, there is no cleaning the plane. There is no refueling. They are not on. It is like off and you're on, you get on a filthy plane and then they head to Cameroon, uh, to Yaoundé, Cameroon, where then, then you, you get off the plane and they go through the whole cleaning procedures and feed you a meal and that sort of thing. But it's like, they don't, they do not keep their aircraft on the ground any longer than possible. This was, this was in 20, I'm not sure exactly what it's like today, but this was, this was what it was like in 2016, uh, as they were still facing a lot of instability from the civil war there. So, um, so anyway, so so because of that, we, you know, there's only there's only those two flights. We had a connecting flight in Paris, France, and it only had a two hour layover. Well, we take off for Minneapolis because our, uh, for all we knew, like the plane was still on time, like checking the website. Well, it turns out the website, none of the information on the website was accurate. So we get about three fourths of the way to Minneapolis and find out our plane has been delayed four hours. Well, that means we're going to miss our two hour layover or our, our two hour connecting flight in, in Paris, which means the next available flight into CAR is four days later. <laughs> so so it, already the trip it just, is going wonderfully because yeah. now you oh. stop in Paris, Eiffel Tower, go out yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is a great move. I like all this. Oh, totally. Totally. We're like, Oh man, let's hang out in Paris for several days. No. So, it, it it already was like, okay, it, it took a couple of anxious, you know, parents and we're, you know, even more anxious. <laughs> we go, we go to Paris. That's a whole nother story. What we thought was going to be kind of a cool little 
uh, day layover ended up not being <laughs> it was super <laughs> stressful. And, but that, again, a whole, whole other story. But everything was kind of building at this point to greater and greater like, okay, this is a, this is a very unique uh, travel for us. Uh, so we get to we we eventually get to to car we fly into the the capital city of bangi and and i mean we're it's very obvious that we're the only westerner on on the flight we're the only you know i i i, I we stuck out like a sore thumb let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh we 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 get off the fly. We get connected with a, a missionary couple there, which something I, I probably should disclose. So um, we were this was essentially kind of a pilot program. We were only our kids that are adopted. There were only it's only the third family to ever adopt from CAR on record. Wow. Um, yeah. So no culture adoption. No um, no real pathways for that. There's just a lady from um actually i'm not sure where she's from i think she's from iowa um who who kind of pioneered <laughs> a a path forward to bring these three orphans uh um home to the states uh, to be part of her family so anyway um so this is very pot there's there's not there's like not a pathway forward for this you're kind of blazing your own your own trail lots of unknown so we get to the capital city and we stay overnight there and the next morning we pack up and we take off with our kind of host who is uh one of the directors of the, the orphanage there incredible man like literally like my one of my greatest heroes in this life what he's doing for for orphan care um speaks okay english um nice. not, not, great, nice. not great english uh and then our our driver so that's this it's just the four of us in this little truck and <clears throat> we head off through the yeah african countryside um <clears throat> and it's about a four-hour drive from where we're at to from the capital city to the orphanage where we're headed and so so we're headed down the road it's it's hot we're in this you know dusty oven basically <laughs> of a vehicle and, <laughs> long, and we and we keep getting to these these checkpoints like there's all these you know kind of police and military checkpoints where you pull up and you know guys are walking around your vehicle with AKs and, and they're they're kind of peeking in and which is a little unsettling as you're you know in a territory you've never been before and and uh, just a little um little unnerving for us and um, and every time we would get to these checkpoints, our host would get out and he would leave the vehicle for a while. And we're just like, okay, you know, and we're, we're, we're staying pretty well humored through it. Like my wife and I are taking video. We're like, we don't know what's going on, but here we are. What is our life? And oh my gosh, we keep driving and driving. And each time we get to these checkpoints, it, the, we, it's, it's a longer and longer wait. Till eventually we get to one where it's like they leave the car for like 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. And we're just sitting there by ourselves with people like walking through, like looking at our, looking at us, look at, you know, examining the vehicle. And, and we have, we have no idea what is going on. So after this one, get back in the vehicle, we take off and we get about, 
I don't know, maybe a mile outside of this village. We're, we're probably three quarters of the way to where the orphanage is. So of this four hour drive, um, and we get about a mile out and we meet this humanitarian aid truck that was, that had food and, and the two drivers exchange what are clearly very intense words. And our vehicle turns around really quickly and heads back to this vehicle that we were just at. And when we get there, we still have no idea what's going on. We get there and our host like turns to me and he says, you know, okay, pastor, here is, here is the situation. And it turns out that, that um, about 30 uh, armed Celica rebel fighters had hijacked the bridge on the road that we were traveling on uh, just a few miles up. And it's the only way through to get to the village. And, um, and he said, yes, here's last night, they engaged in a gunfight with the, with the villagers of the city we're in, six men were killed here's the blood on the road. Like, I mean, it's like, like oh all of a sudden God. we went from like, Oh, you know, comically uh, adventurous to like pretty nightmarish in a hurry where we're like, what are we, what are we doing here? You know? And you just start running through every scenario and you've got your five kids back in the States and, you know, just like what is going on? And we know like we can't we can't proceed with the adoption until we actually meet these kids like face to face. And so and the only thing standing between us and them oh happens to be like 30 armed rebel fighters. And yeah, I don't think you're so, gonna win that battle. I'm gonna throw that out there. It's just you know and, and especially not us. I mean, Jason, you and a lot of your listeners, I'm sure could handle it. Not us. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, I'm good at CrossFit. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. I'm not even good at CrossFit. <laughs> I'm like, I will pray for you. I mean, <laughs> you know what? Apparently, so, you have the upper hand. I'm gonna throw that out there, all right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the man yeah, on your side. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I actually think so because there's no other explanation for how the rest of the events unfolded. Um, yeah, so so we're I mean to say it was the most like anxious and fearful I've ever been in my life is not an is not an overstatement. I really was like just a, a sense of I feel helpless right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know. We've got our kids that back home, we got our kids on the other side of this hijacked bridge and um you know, my wife's scared next to me. We don't speak anybody's language here. There is no, I mean, there was, there's no, at the time, there's no U.S. embassy in, in CAR. There's no ambassador there. I mean, it's, you you are, you're on your own. And, and again, we went into this very ignorantly. Like, like the only real information that we had that shows that we weren't completely foolish is that there was a team who had just gone to this orphanage a team from the states who had just gone to this orphanage a few weeks earlier and they were like yeah we felt we felt safe like we felt good no issues they they didn't have any issues it was totally cool and so we're like oh great well we you know we'll be we're fine. In. just we're the right. two of us we'll we'll be totally fine um so we go back to it so we're, we're in this village where we're waiting and and he said he said pastor we we cannot pass through um but uh but sometimes in situations like this, 
the UN will come through and kind of clean up the mess, you know, or like, you know, get the, get the rebels to scatter. And so all of a sudden we're like, wait, this happens a lot. You know, <laughs> like you're, oh you're like, Oh, God. okay. And so he said, so we're just going to sit here because we've, we've heard that there are, there are troops coming. So, so we sit there. Well, now we're sitting in this village and every time we hear an engine running, every time we see a truck coming, rolling into the town, like everything, like I'm, I, I, I see and hear a truck and then I turn and look at our host to see what's the reaction on his face because the standard process here is rebels come into a village and you bolt for the, for the jungle. Like you, 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 you're like, I mean, people just scatter, you know? And, and I'm like, Oh my Lord. Yeah. Just waiting. Like, okay. Like, Hey, lace up the shoes. Cause we're going to take our chances with the, you know, the, the, green mambas instead of <laughs> instead of rebel fighters right <laughs> um yeah uh so so finally after i mean we probably sat there for a couple hours and and then finally i just tell you know nobody's coming nobody's coming and i tell um our host i said i said if we were not here if if we were not with you what would you be doing right now he said we would be back in the capital. We would we would have turned back and gone all the way. And so it made clear to me like they were like risking themselves to try to get us to the orphanage. And I was like, we need we need to go. We need to go back to the capital. So we load up in the vehicle. I did it, one one part of the story is I got on on the phone with uh, um, actually the American man who's a dear friend of mine here who started the orphanage uh, years ago. Um, and I explained the situation to him. He's so, he's like one of the most level-headed, unexcitable guys. I know. I, I just love this dude. But I'm like, I'm like, hey, we, uh, here's what's going on. He goes, wow. He's like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've got a little bit of a problem there. He's like, look, we're going to die not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> we're about to be hostages. So. <laughs> and nobody's coming for us. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So, so he, uh, um, he said, well, here's, he said, he said, if you can find any French troops, <laughs> any French soldiers there, like, ask them if you can get a military escort through because they, they won't, not, the rebels won't engage with, with the French at all. They're like, they, they'll engage with the UN, they'll engage with CAR police, but they, but they won't engage with the French. I'm like, you want me to do what? Uh, so, so we, so we start driving back and lo and behold, halfway there, we come across a, a handful of armored, um vehicles that are french soldiers um and and find one of them like find one of them that speaks english he's kind of in charge of the thing and explain the situation to him i gave him the biggest sob story ever you know i said and not, nothing about adoption because that wouldn't uh, but i was just like hey we're here on a humanitarian um mission and we have medicine and we have supplies and we need to get to this orphanage um, it's critical. And is there any way that you can arrange for a, an escort for us? And they're like, no, <laughs> like, what? They're like, what? <laughs> they're like, what, they're like, what are, this is literally, this is literally what they said. I, it, it says, what are you doing here? 
Like, why are you here? And then he says, you have no weapons. <laughs> he says, you have no weapons. What are you doing here? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I thought we were on a nice vacation. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, so so we pleaded and pleaded. And I thought there was a moment in there where where he's like, really like softening the heart like i could see the wheels turning and he and it just came down to he's like our orders are to stay here to ensure that rebels don't come back to the to the capital city we cannot leave our post <laughs> and um and so we knew that wasn't that wasn't an option so so then we uh so we we had the rest of the way back to the capital city and um we get uh, we get almost there and then we meet a convoy of UN vehicles and with the assumption that they're going to go try to op- get the road back open, you know? And so we stay that night, um, you know, we get, we get to back to the missionary place and, you know, my wife just like falls in the arms of <laughs> the, the missionary lady there and uh, sobbing and, um, and, and they said, well, we're, we, we've got word that there's UN, the, the UN are headed that direction. So we'll see what things are like in the morning. <laughs> so we sleep that night and wake up the next morning. We get the news that, that UN had engaged, um, arrested a number of guys and the rest had kind of fled to the, the jungle and, um, the road was back open. <laughs> So, congratulations so, so yeah good. i'm like now yeah i do have a question like <laughs> did you actually sleep or was it one of those things like you're sleeping with one eye open <laughs> let me just tell you i prayed a lot that night <laughs> i prayed a lot my wife crashed hard oh actually you want to know what what i legitimately did so my, my wife crashed hard she was so emotionally exhausted and I did a CrossFit workout in my room. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I am, I'm, I'm so amped up right now. Like, I cannot get my body. So I, you know, I did like a, I did like burpees. a, a Just burpee, burpees a burpee, air squat, push up, sit up, workout. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's like a hundred degrees. I'm just sweating for the next, you know, five oh, hours. Um, yeah. So no, probably very little sleep, but the, the, uh, adrenaline was at an all time high. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so we sleep the next morning. We, we, we head out again, you know, terrified the whole time. And, um, I did, I did find out that it actually put us at ease a little bit that when we were talking to the missionaries that we were staying with, they said, you know, you can absolutely trust your host. And he did the right thing. He said this, they live with this sort of thing regularly. And he said, a lot of times these types of situations will, over the course of a four hour drive, will, they'll, they'll get cleaned up. <laughs> you know, like they, they, they really will, but it's just, it's just kind of a way of life there. And he said, and so what he did, the reason that every checkpoint was a longer and longer way is he made absolutely certain that there was there was no um, threatening activity happening between that checkpoint and the next checkpoint, and so he wow. did he did everything he was supposed to do. And and at the end of the day, he was like, he didn't tell you what was going on because he was hoping he wouldn't have to tell you what was going on. But it got to kind of the final hour, and he's like, 
we're not going to be able to go through. So, so honestly that did that, that put me at ease a bit um, where I was like, okay, this guy really is looking out for us. And he's, he's the primary care caregiver at the orphanage. And so this is a guy like he, he wanted and needed to get back to, to the kids at the orphanage. But, um, but when it became obvious that he, he wasn't going to risk it, you know, we certainly needed to not risk it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so anyway, we took off. We took off the next morning, and lo and behold, we made it. Uh, we made it uh, four hours. Uh, got there again, same thing every checkpoint, but um, it was pretty smooth sailing that time. Um, by the time we got there, you know, it was like the the reality of meeting our future children that that sense of like the the mental space and the emotional energy going into that overrode every of the trauma that we had just experienced yeah you know, that the, is the so cool oh yeah. man yeah yeah so so we uh we met these kids and and you know it was even that like they're these kids had never like they had never seen white people <laughs> and, <laughs> and so they weren't exactly like Hey. excited to see us <laughs> they were a little terrified um and uh yeah so so even that it was like a couple we were just there for two days because again our 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 trip because of the issue with delta and our flights our trip went from like 10 days down to about four or five days and so we were only at the orphanage for for about 48 hours um got to interact with the kids as best as we could um and uh i did some pastoral training with some pastors there and then uh and then we turned around and said say goodbye and headed back and and came back to the states and said okay well we're gonna try to get this adoption done as quick as we can and go back and bring the kids home and that's what we did uh, a year later so a year it took later, a whole we, year to get back there for them yeah. Yep. Yep. So wow. the whole process from the time, which, which honestly, Jason was, is it was actually really fast. Um, especially with, with sub-Saharan adoptions. Um, there's just, there's just a ton of, of, uh, corruption and, um, um, yeah, there's just, a, there's just a, unfortunately a lot of wicked things that can come with, with adoption. And so it's, it is a long, arduous process. Um, our our most recent adoption was actually a three year process that was that was really painful. Um, but but so that one actually the year the year was pretty smooth. Um, and and then our our trip to actually go bring them home was actually the polar opposite. It went as smoothly as we could have asked, and our time with the kids was incredible. And um, and they. Uh, they slept almost the entire flight back to the United States, which is very, very unheard of for uh, adoptions like this. <laughs> a lot of times the flight to the States is the worst possible thing. And our kids were, they were champs. So, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's a wild story. There's a whole lot of other details in there that, <laughs> oh that, my uh, gosh, you know, we missed, but, um, yeah, pretty crazy. And so now they've been they've been those two children have been with us for um, 
but yeah, we brought him home in 2017. So five years. We just we just celebrated the five year gotcha date. Oh, uh, congratulations to you and yeah. them. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. Totally cool. Yeah. Totally cool. <laughs> wow, man. Holy cow. <laughs> that is crazy. All right. So on your on your return. So now you get the the adoption process done. You get to go um get the children and bring them back with you easy like when you tell me like oh it was it was easy it was there and back and no like no issues yeah. no checkpoints or or you had to go through checkpoints you well, still had to do kind of the same stuff or you know what's wild is um so so when i got when we got back from the that first trip the very very traumatic trip i was like okay i probably should do some research on this country <laughs> <laughs> and you know and i i actually like right away I, I found an article on on this exact event on these these 30 celical rebels that had that had hijacked the bridge um uh saw that and because it was a un report on um on rebel activity in the area and so i saw that that led me kind of down a, a rabbit trail of research in the country well lo and behold i come across a um, Canadian travel ministries, uh, website and their list of like travel advisories. And, and they have, they happened to had like just a couple of weeks before we traveled there had released their list of the top 50 most dangerous countries on earth. And, um, along with their travel recommendations connected to them and, and I'm getting through and I'm getting to like the top 10. I still haven't seen central african republic on there it's like huh i wonder if i missed it you know i'm going i'm going by syria afghanistan north korea you know sudan like <laughs> and and i get to like number two and it's chad and chad is you know the country that directly borders car to the north and i was like no way no way and i click on the next one of course their number one most dangerous country on earth at the time central african republic <laughs> And I was like, and it, and it says like, like a great vacation. Oh, dude. It's like in bright red, you know, like do not travel under any circumstances. We will not help you. We will not aid you. We will say no help if something goes down. And, and I was like, huh? Oh, well, that's Canada. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. All my Canadian friends. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. oh, Lots of friends great. from Canada. <laughs> but uh anyway we so so even just last night in preparation for this i i was like well the country's come a long way in the last um you know six years five years and so six years since we were first there still uh you know in their top 10 and it says do not travel like do not travel there we've been there multiple times since then i took my old i took my my oldest son with me um a couple of years ago and um a beautiful country beautiful people um who have endured so much have suffered so much and um are just incredibly resilient and the type of type of context that makes you um kind of look at your own life and and say man i I just take everything for granted. <laughs> I do. I, there's no way around it. Like I just, I just take the the most simple of uh, daily necessities for granted, and 
but yeah, your, your question about, um, yeah, the, so the next trip a uh, year later really did go, go flawlessly. We actually didn't go to Sierra because there was no embassy there. They didn't, they didn't issue visas. Um, it, the visas were actually issued at um, the embassy in Cameroon. And so they oh, had okay. to travel to Cameroon uh, where we met them there and then got their visas and then, and then departed from there to come back to the states. And so we had a few days with them in in Cameroon, and then and then the trip home uh, was really smooth. And our kids just, you know, our our bio kids embraced them really oh, beautifully. Oh, that's awesome! And, I like that. And it's like, yeah, I mean, within it, it really was no time. And this is this is not a lot of people's story because adoption is is hard. It's a um, there's a lot of heartache. Every adoption story, um, starts with loss. You know, the, the reality, like our, our children suffered unspeakable loss and, um, you know, in, in the death of their parents and, and then, and then the orphanage they were raised in departing from that orphanage and their, their peers there, that's loss as well. And, coming to a new culture, loss of culture, like all, all those sorts of things. So adoption is really hard and, and then navigating the types of traumas that, that many adopted children have, um, have faced. Um, and for whatever reason, by call it the grace of God or dumb luck, whatever it is, we've we've been super blessed our our kids they're 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 roethlisberger's like they're just yeah we're, we're kind of <laughs> one big crazy bunch we all have our issues we're messy and loud <laughs> and obnoxious and um love jesus but, um maybe swear a little here and there and <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> so what you're saying is you're human i like that I'm, we're I'm human that too. we're, like we're yep. human as human as they get yeah um but they're doing really well man like we we just adore them there was one night where um they were they were a little slow getting to the dinner table i don't remember what they were doing and and all my bio kids were sitting at the table first and i, I just looked at them and said you guys this is what this is what our life would be like this is what it would look like if we hadn't adopted and one of my bio kids looks around and goes like oh it'd be so boring <laughs> i'm like there's still seven of us <laughs> like, you realize that's still like abnormal you know for, for the culture but i was like i was like i think you're right i think i think we'd be a little bored so um, oh, that's so they're doing great we're doing good and and like i start the way i started off um you know our our talk is they certainly they were in dire circumstances there had had the orphanage there not intervened um they would not have survived when when uh i mean the photos of of my son are when they when they found them they're just horrific they're they're horrific the 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 skin and bones that made up his body and um and <clears throat> they were in very dire circumstances and so really the first hero in the story is the orphanage who who reached out and brought him in and, and nursed him back to health and literally like brought him back from the dead and then wow and then you know our part in it was you know we just said yes um and you know, kind of disrupted our, 
our life a bit to to bring them in but but at the end of the day like we feel like they have given so much to us <laughs> like so much to us as a family that we, we don't feel like heroes we don't feel like rescuers we we feel like we we're the ones that have been so blessed by them and uh um it's it's a cool story it's still early in the story that's you know, awesome we're, we're only five yeah. years in six years in but um so it's still early in the story so who knows what well what let next. me ask you another little question you know like because you mentioned a year between when you met them mm -hmm. and then having to go back so those kids had to live in the orphanage for that year waiting for yeah. that to happen in everything that's going on the turmoil that's going on I know yeah. you mentioned trauma because they lost both their parents and then malnourished yeah. and trying to bring them back. But do you know what they went through in that year? Were you in contact with the orphanage yeah. to find out, like, keep updates? Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, I mean, there's a lot of horror stories of, of orphanage life um, in, in various countries throughout the world. Um, we really do believe our kids received the best of care that they could that they could get in that specific context. Um, uh, again, I, you know, the director that says one of the guys I, I trust most in the world is the most self-sacrificial guys that I, that I know who has just said yes to the orphan care and while caring for his own family and his own kids. And <clears throat> the guy here in the States who started the orphanage um, many years ago was one of the most humble gracious guys uh that i know and um and uh so yeah we were we were constantly in in communication um and uh um you know because our kids were were so young at the point we weren't we weren't in communication with them very much because their level right. yeah. of understanding was pretty low um and they didn't speak any english but in terms of the the workers on the ground there as well as the administrators here on the state side we're in regular communication with and and since then that you know the level of trust that we had in the care that they were being given during that time has only been confirmed since then because we've we've now since been through another adoption process we've been we've been there i think a total between my wife and i and my son i think we've been in there a total of five or six times uh, over the last five years. Uh, so it's, it's been, um, uh, yeah, we've, we've just been felt a lot of affirmation that they, they really did receive as good a care as they could have uh, in that time. And then the most recent adoption we went through, he, he was quite a bit older. So he was, we started the process when he was eight, we brought him home when he was 11. Um, and he had been in the orphanage since he was, five um so he oh, spent wow. six years in that orphanage and he has been able to share with us you know a lot of things that put us at at you know at ease that he that they really were cared for well and during during the three years with him we were able to communicate with him specifically a lot more than we were our first two because of the age difference there so when you first yeah. met the kids in africa how old were they they were, um, they were two and we brought them home at three. So, Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. very young. Very young. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They had, um, wow. one of them, uh, the, the, 
father was had already passed away and uh, the mom passed away like not long after childbirth uh, and the other one was uh, um, I think was within a year or so of that and so they're they're biological cousins they're only they're only a few months apart in age so yeah jeez yeah. oh man mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow <laughs> What a story. My gosh. Shane, that's awesome. That is, <laughs> that is so cool. It's a little adventure. <laughs> a little adventure. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say one funny part of the story, you know, I told you how it's like, it's forever intertwined with our Versalist story is, um, I mean, I literally, like I started the company because we had started the adoption process. And I said, I, I was like praying I'm a man of faith. And I was like, Lord, I need a way to generate more revenue for my household. And lo and behold, like a week later, I found myself in this factory with this idea for, for our heel lift inserts. And we got our, our very first sale. So I spent, you know, six months kind of doing R and D and, and, uh, some market testing and prototyping, all that sort of stuff. And then we, we, when we went live online, we got our very first sale, like right as we were ready to leave the country for the, the crazy story that I told you, yeah. like right as we were. And, and so we, we got our first sale, shifted it out and then shut down the website <laughs> because we were going to Africa <laughs> and we're like, we can't fulfill orders in Africa. And uh yeah went to went to africa and a month later fired the the site back up and then that kind of launched us into the versal story <laughs> oh my gosh that's incredible uh, yeah, i love yeah. it i love it <laughs> um for everybody out there shade if you don't mind what what is the process like what do people have to do to, to do something like this in order to adopt and and go even through i because me personally i have no idea where to even begin yeah yeah yeah. well man i i, I unfortunately kind of what i alluded to earlier it's it's rarely a streamlined process it is an incredibly like dynamic and volatile world that is adoption because you're talking about uh, in in most cases the the most vulnerable people groups of, on planet earth children you know and and it's easy for them to be taken advantage of it's it's uh, it's easy for corrupt people to try to use it as a um, a means for financial gain and power gain all so so those are the devastating things connected to adoption but as a result of it that means that um, government policy can get um, very laborious um, adoption agencies come and go because of how hard it can be um, so so not every country is is like that um, you know certainly like there's domestic adoptions through through foster care uh, in in the U.S., which also you know has, has plenty of challenges um, as well. And we started down that, that road a couple of times and had um, had those doors closed. But um, really, the first step for somebody who who's like, man, I feel called to adoption is to get connected with a reputable agency. Like that's that's a uh, 
actually, actually, let me take it back. I'll, I'll take it a step back. Okay. That because <laughs> I'll put my, I'll put my pastor hat on. Um, I love it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, what I tell people, cause we get a lot of people who ask, say, Hey, can we talk to you about adoption? we got a heart for this, you know, your story. And, um, and I'll say, well, the first thing is to do to, is to, to sit down with some really, really trusted people in your life and say, Hey, tell us what we need to hear about our like life and our marriage. And like, do you think that we're a good fit for this? <laughs> because wow. a lot of people will have going kind of deep. The heartstrings going deep, man. <laughs> a lot of people will have, have their heartstrings tugged by story, you know, even like our story. That's like, it's, it's really, um, it's, it can be easy to, ex to get people excitable about, about something like this and be like, man, I want to, I want to adopt like that. But the most important consideration is not, um, do you want to adopt? The most important consideration is what is in the best interest of this child or these children? And you got to be willing to be really honest about your own life and circumstance. I mean, I, I, I tell people like, if there's, a, if there's a married couple who comes to us and says, hey, we're interested in adoption, adoption, the first thing I say is how much do you like each other? Like, and they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, I'm like, no. Like, like, how much do you, I, this is an honest question. Not like, do you love each other? Not, are you committed to your covenant of marriage? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, how yeah. much do you, how much do you like each other? Uh, because you're going to, you're going to enter into chaos. And if you guys, if marriage is hard for you, it's not going to get better because of being, because of the adoption road like that's that is not a wound or that's not like a healing balm for you it is going to <laughs> test you in every single way and if you, you know sometimes know how... people just need a little bit of honesty i'm just yeah. saying <laughs> bro for real <laughs> and so like if you're not willing to, if you're not if you're not in a place where you feel like you can laugh through the chaos it's going to be hard to create the type of home that's that promotes the flourishing of that child um, or children. And so, so that's kind of like the first step is like, Hey, get around some trusted people and be like, Hey, do you, do you think that we would be the kind of home that would really promote the flourishing of another child? Do you think we could handle that? Do you think we're mentally stable enough for that? Like we're emotionally stable for that. We're relationally stable enough for that. Uh, that's step one right there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's deep. That's good though. I mean, I, cause you're right. I mean, I, I could, uh, man, even yeah, go try with a goldfish first and then we'll see how, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let's, yeah, that's step let's, two. <laughs> <laughs> you a goldfish in a plant. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want the plant and feed the fish? No, I wanted the fish and fed the plant. What the, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you, you shouldn't adopt. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. man that's yeah. awesome <laughs> i like it yeah well, but I, then from man, there if you yep. if you feel affirmed if you feel affirmed in that you know and you're like man i really i look at our household and the kids are flourishing the marriage is flourishing uh you know um and so you feel more called in that direction. Then, then from there, it's like, hey, get get connected with a reputable. Do your research. Get connected with a reputable adoption agency who knows the ins and outs of uh, international adoption law. Um, because you, you that that was the mess on our on our last adoption is is we our our biggest 
um, our biggest hurdle was not, um, was not navigating CAR. Our biggest hurdle was navigating the, the U.S. State Department. <laughs> and, and that is so their major, major roadblocks there. And so um, we didn't have those issues the first couple of times we, we did uh, this most recent round. So that's where, that's where a reputable adoption agency would, it's just, it's just super critical in the process. Nice. Well, you guys did it, man. And that's, that is awesome. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm super stoked for you guys. I'm super, super pumped for the kids. Like <laughs> just, ah, oh, dude, that's awesome. That is great. Totally great. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. It's, Heck yeah. it's been a trip. Shane, this is one heck of a story, man. And, and I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and really telling us this. Um, I do have a kind of a random question, which, you know, it, it does have to do with the brand, but it also ties in with your story. He lifts, really? Like he lifts? Was there a child labor law thing that you were trying to like bypass? I mean... You know, nine <laughs> kids, really, with and a healer. I'm thinking something's going on here, man. It's quite the factory we've got set up here, man. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about that, man, is like my my. I mean, we're a small family-owned business, and um, yeah, like absolutely, my kids have touched a lot of pairs of bursa lifts. <laughs> <laughs> they put them in I'm packages. sure they have. Uh, oh, oh man. yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's 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 been wild, man. It's it's actually been been pretty fun. You know, my 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 kids have gotten to see you know, all they've really known um, is is me and vocational ministry, and um, and so to be on this kind of entrepreneurial journey with us has been pretty cool too. I think you know certainly my older kids, my teenagers have learned a ton about business ownership and oh that's super um, cool yeah you know and yeah inventory management and customer service and uh so it's it's been pretty cool you know uh uh even manufacturing you know as we've navigated prototypes and blah blah, blah. um but but yeah heel lift man i i you know i told you the part of the story where we we kind of prayed um i need a way to generate additional revenue well i had an old football injury my right ankle was sprained multiple times and i couldn't do pistol squats on my right leg without my heel coming off the ground stupid pistols I who's, still can't do who's it. been there like yeah, everybody yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> and and i was like you know, I, I came across these, these heel lift inserts. They were actually created for a different purpose for a different function. But I was like, man, I think, I think that idea would, would solve my problem. Did a little market research, didn't really see anything out that existed in the CrossFit world like that. And, um, and I, I tried them out immediately fell in love with these. And, um, and I was like, man, this could really be something. And I, I, I worked with the, with the owner of the company, tried to convince them, Hey, let me, let me help you get into a new market. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't, that CrossFit stuff you show me, like, that's terrible. Like people, people are all going to need knee replacement surgery and him, you know, like all that couldn't convince them. And uh, so then I was like, well, treat me like a distributor and I'll just, I'll just buy wholesale and, and private label. Um, and, and so that's what we did. We, 
he was like, yeah, just give me the money and I'll, and I'll give you a majority. And, and so then we, we launched, we launched that way. And uh, that's kind of how we got our start. And a few years later, I, I said we could really improve upon the product if we started from scratch with our own design for our applications. And that's what launched us into the V2 and then the V2 strength and V2 endurance. And, and, uh, and yeah, so we, you know, people look at it, they're like, they're like, what is it that you do? And I'm like, I make shoe inserts. <laughs> like it's like the most anticlimactic. Uh, you know, like, like, uh, really, <laughs> really, merciless. Like yeah. you, you do shoe People inserts. People buy that for what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we yeah. want to do pistols. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, so so that's what we're in. We 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 want. We actually do believe a lot in the squat as like a foundation to, to human movement. Even that's, that's kind of a funny thing. Like global, you go like anywhere, particularly developing world, um, developing countries and like, man, people know how to squat. Like they do, but man, we, we don't know how to squat here in America. (laughs) I mean, it's like, and it's, and it's affecting like quality of life, you know, you know, and so, so anyway, so, so that's a, a part of what we're, we're doing is like, man, we want people to squat. Well, we have this, this slogan, you know, our, our, our kind of motto is depth matters. And which I love that um, by the way. Thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a, that's like the, there's the explicit, which is range of motion in your squat from top to bottom, but like the, the heart of our little modest business endeavor here is, is the deeper meaning behind it, no pun intended, but is, is the, is like living a life of, of depth. Um, one that doesn't just hang out in the safe, shallow spaces, but one that takes risks and is bold and steps out of the ordinary and uh depth of character depth of relationships depth of depth of story you know and um so yeah that's that's that versalist hashtag depth matters <laughs> yeah i love it i love it um hey just out of curiosity are your kids into crossfit too or are they like whatever yeah yeah my teen my teens yeah. both do it my, my son okay. we we moved on unfortunately as part of the move we're i mean we're in the middle of nowhere like i grew up in super rural far northeast iowa closest crossfit gym is it's like an hour and a half drive there's there's oh, yeah, no. nowhere you know um not that you'd know anything about that and being <laughs> actually no my gym is like oh no, i got a gym right he like um bike right away a couple blocks awesome, and right? i'm in well you you so. have you have way more access than we do <laughs> in rural so literally right over here we've got we've got mats set up and and uh, barbells and so my my son bangs it out with us at, at six o'clock in the morning and um it's really getting into it and, as soon as volleyball season's over, my daughter she'll be she'll be joining us. Ah, uh, well. yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun, man. I, I love I love working out with our teens. They're yeah into it. And every once in a while, one of the youngsters will jump in there and say, "Dad, program workout for me." But yeah, okay, let's go. <laughs> uh, you know what? My my oldest is into it as well with me, and uh, she just right she beat me by twelve seconds today on a oh. what was it like a v-ups alternating v-ups and and box jump burpee or burpee box jump overs and 
12 seconds. I was like, oh, good, it's good that time. for her, man. Yeah. She's, yeah. She must be awesome, yeah. dude. You're a fit dude. You're a fit dude. She must, she must be. <laughs> at one point i, I kid you not she's like she's like done with the v-ups and i don't know if she had done a couple burpee box jumps whatever but she's sitting there like sipping on a water bottle looking at me like what's up put the water Just bottle back down there and i'm like breathing out my ass i'm like what is the deal <laughs> like oh okay i got it Oh, there comes a time, uh, man. Yep. There comes a time where we realize we're not in our prime anymore. <laughs> you know what? Throw some, some, throw some weight on that bar. I'll, I'll teach you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Shane, again, I cannot thank you enough for, for coming on and sharing this story. I am so pumped to have you here. And uh, and thank you. Just, just thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, it, it's an honor to be here, man. And uh, thanks for all you do and for all your listeners and for, uh, yeah, your service. Um, we, thanks. yeah, we're just, we're a super grateful people that uh, um, um, our stories made possible because we live in a, in, in a place that we live in where we're free to conduct <laughs> the type of business that we do and live the type of adventurous life that we do and so great most grateful for you brother right on thanks man and that's for everybody else out there too man that's not just for me okay just throw that out there too <laughs> so i will see you at uh i don't know probably the next crossfit games or hopefully sooner if i can make it make it through town all right yes sir Sounds right awesome. on and with that ladies and gentlemen we are out of here Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at the real rescue again a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember when that star alarm goes off those in distress are praying for a miracle they are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard.